You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. of the CLNS Media Boston Celtics post-game show. I am your host, New Bedford Nick Sacento, and I'll be joined very shortly by my man, Jack Simone, new host of the CLNS Media. Haven't had a chance to host a post-game with him. Good stuff tonight coming from Jack Simone and me, Nick Sacento. The Boston Celtics coming off their all-star break. I guess it wasn't a break for Jason Tatum. Uh, definitely wasn't a break for Kemba Walker, who decided inexplicably uh, to play past minutes, uh, minutes restrictions and play extended time in a game that meant absolutely nothing and as a result uh, caused a little bit of soreness to his knee, resulting in him missing tonight's game in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. The Boston Celtics entered the game with a record of 38 and 16, third placed in the Eastern Conference. Um, improved to 39 and 16 with a 127-117 victory over the Timberwolves in a game that, for all intents and purposes, knowing this season's Boston Celtic team could have been a trap game. The Boston Celtics are facing the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, I believe, on Sunday. I'm not positive. I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but I believe it's coming up the next the next game within the next couple of days. This could have been a trap game. It could have been a trap game. Players coming off the all-star break, a good seven or eight days of time off. Um, this would have been a typical, like I said, trap game for the Boston Celtics, but they gutted this one out. It was close down the stretch. The Milwaukee, Milwaukee, ha, the Minnesota Timberwolves, wish it was Milwaukee, the Minnesota Timberwolves made it close at the end, actually brought the game within Two points, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, but the Boston Celtics just way too much firepower for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. At least in basketball, the Timberwolves do have James Johnson, who could probably beat the crap out of anybody on either roster. But that being said, it is basketball, and we had four Boston Celtics. Four Boston Celtics with 20-plus points. And I'm not going to bury the lead, even though he did not lead the team in scoring, had career highs in both points and rebounds. Daniel Tice, a monster, 25 points, 16 rebounds, a block in 28 minutes for Daniel Tice. Only 28 minutes, and he had career highs in all of those things, in both of those things, 25 points, 16 rebounds. Just going down the list real quick, Garden Hayward led all scorers with 29 points, to go with his five rebounds, six assists, two steals um, on 12 for 17 shooting. Gordon Hayward, every time I look back at the game, I was flipping back and forth. I didn't expect to be uh, jumping on the host lines tonight, but um, since one of the other hosts didn't make it, 
I'm kind of winging it. Every time I turned back onto the game, it seemed like Gordon Hayward was making a good play. He was making a scoring play. He was taking it hard to the basket. He was hitting uh, the three-pointers that he was supposed to hit. He was just hitting good shots. He was making incredible plays. Uh, Again, 29 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists on 12 of 17 shooting for Gordon Hayward. Uh, Just running down the list, 28 points for Jason, the all-star, Tatum, to go with 11 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and a block, filling up the box score. Did not have a single zero in the box score, except for his plus and minus, which doesn't quite make sense because he was incredible out there on the floor, but you take the plus minus as you will. Some fans uh, really appreciate that stat. Other fans, such as myself, not really a big, not really fond of the hockey stat that is plus minus. Jalen Brown, 25 points, eight rebounds, one steal, and a block on 10 of 17 shooting before fouling out late in the fourth quarter of this game. Uh, that's four Celtics to score 20 plus points in a single game. The first time since I forgot the year, maybe Jack Simone can help me with that in a second, uh, since Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Kelly Olenek, and Avery Bradley did it a few years back. So the Boston Celtics back to fun times again with incredible firepower to hold off the lowly um, the, the, the lowly teams of the NBA like the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, with that, I'm going to go straight to my host, Jack Simone. But before I do that, just want to remind everybody that this is a live call-in show. Make sure if you want to listen or join the conversation, dial 347-215-7771. And when you hear the automated operator, press 1 if you'd like to join us live on the air and talk Celtics hoops. With that, Jack Simone. Welcome to the CLNS Media Boston Celtics Post Game Show. I have listened to uh, shows that you've hosted before, but I have not hosted with you myself. So it is a, it is my pleasure to get this opportunity to host with you. What do you think about tonight's game, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Boston Celtics? Celtics coming out 127-117 victors of this game. Uh, nice to be here, Nick. Thanks. I appreciate you uh, hopping on with me and hosting the show. But um, I think it was a solid game. Like, we started to slip up a little bit in the third quarter, and they got back in the game a little bit. But every time they started to come back, Brad Stevens called one of his iconic timeouts and threw up one of his after-timeout plays that he's so famous for, and we got right back into the swing of things. And I'd like to just point out that the Timberwolves don't have one of the best records in the NBA. They're actually one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. They're second last. But – after that trade deadline, man, they made some moves. They had a solid team. Malik Beasley's no joke. Hernan Gomez is good. Like you said, James Johnson could beat up me and all my friends at once. Like, they just got a solid group of guys that I feel like, yeah, I feel like they could compete next year. Like, once Cat gets back and they got D. Russell. Don't forget like, D-Lo. It's a don't forget guys. D-Lo. They got D'Angelo Russell. Hey, don't forget D-Lo. <laughs> uh, We'd I like think to, but, like, you know, sometimes you can't. Don't, don't. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. D- don't sweep this win to the side. It was a solid win against a uh, not not bad Timberwolves team that's just not great on paper. Absolutely. Um, and with that, because um, we have the boss on the line, Bobby Manning. We got the show started for him. Now Bobby can jump in and give us his opinion. Bobby, we know you're the boss. You ready to jump in for us? What's going on, Bobby Manning? Yes, sir. We'll keep you around, Nick. Uh, amazing game tonight. Um I don't know if you guys brought it up yet because I was writing 
a little recap on this one, but man, the Celtics caught a break there midway through the fourth when Brown and Hayward turned it over there and Brown was chasing Okoji from behind. And that was, that was like Mm -hmm. the most obvious clear path ever to me. And I don't know how Ryan Saunders wasn't doing backflips and throwing off his jacket on the sideline there, but I felt like that really killed Minnesota down the stretch way more than uh, D'Angelo Russell, who for some reason, just couldn't get anything going when he was leading the offense tonight. If Minnesota put the ball in Malik Beasley's hands to close this one, I think we're talking about a different outcome. But either way, uh, Stevens out coaching Saunders in this one is a big difference here. Um, using Tice strategically midway through the game so he could have him late because apparently Tice is not allowed to play defense as he picks up another four fouls in this one, but still has his career night. I mean, how lucky are we to have Tice for this season and next season as the Celtics have, you know, an option for a second year on him? That's the silver lining as we look at how Al Horford's playing out in uh, Philadelphia and wondering what could have been if he returned or, you know, seeing Either way, if he's back, the Celtics don't have Daniel Tice because he was a free agent. They wouldn't have had the money to sign him if Horford returned. I don't know. Who would you have right now, um, Jack, as I talk to you for the first time here? Um, well, I think it's – I would say Horford's the better player still, even though he's struggling in Philly. But I think that's, again, a chemistry thing. But right now, I, it's hard to say anything but Tice. Like, a career night, 25 points, 16 rebounds, and like you said, got kind of uh, messed up with some of the foul calls there. I don't agree with all of them, but it seems like you should have more than a blo- one block on the night. But Tice is playing extremely good basketball right now. So I guess I got to go with Tice because it just seems like he's having a better, like, cohesive season than Horford. He might not have the stats to back it up, but he doesn't get the same playing time. So I guess I'm going to go with Tice right now. He's just playing great for us. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'm going to totally agree with uh, Jack right now. You know, Tice is the big man that the Boston Celtics need. And that's ironic because – He's not quite as – I think he's about the same height as Al Horford. I think they're both listed at about six. Yeah, he's nine. not a real big man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he, – well, he, he's absolutely a real big man. He's just the real big man in the small ball era. He's a guy that's a little bit, you know, faster to rotate. He's a little bit quicker. He can, you know, stretch the floor. Not that Al Horford could, but, I mean, he's probably given up a good about 20 pounds on Al Horford. I mean, he's not nearly as thick – of a frame is Al Horford, and the one thing he doesn't do that Al Horford uh, did extremely well was pass the ball, pass the ball from the top of the key, pass the ball out of the uh, out of the paint, out of the block. Um, Daniel Tice doesn't do that, but what um, Daniel Tice does do that Al Horford didn't, that Al Horford was trying for the last, I don't know how many years of his career to get out of, was playing down low and banging down low. I mean, you never see Daniel Tice flinching for a, a, a rebound or flinching during a free throw. He's just going up and getting those rebounds. He's going up and getting those balls. He's banging down low. He's playing above the rim. And, uh, you know, Al Horford was, you know, prone to throw them down occasionally. But, I mean, Daniel Tice is just a gritty player. He's a, he's a, he's a rough-and-tumble guy that gets in there. I mean, thinking back, I'm not comparing Daniel Tice to uh, Dennis Rodman, but Dennis Rodman wasn't the biggest guy either. But Dennis Rodman would have been an incredible uh, small ball center in the NBA today. He just wouldn't have been able to stretch the floor in any, in any capacity. But Daniel Tice, I think, is a blessing, and I think that if you had to take one or the other right now, 
I think you got, you know, a, 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 this year of Daniel Tice is clearly having a career year, and I think you have another year of Daniel Tice in his prime after this, and may even be able to keep him, although it'll cost the Celtics in the future if they want to keep him after next season, um, possibly even have him for the future, whereas Al Horford is clearly on his way out. If Al Horford plays another season after next year, he might play another season or two, and that's it. So you got a young guy who's willing to bang, uh, doesn't pass quite as well, but can, you know, maybe not shoot quite as well either, but can still do his thing, but it does what the Celtics need him to do. And with Gordon Hayward playing the way he's playing now, the way Gordon Hayward facilitates the ball, the way Gordon Hayward can pass the ball and play off the pick and roll, you don't really need Al Horford to do those things anymore. So you have replacements for all the things that that Al Horford did for the Celtics, maybe in a couple of different players spread out between a couple of different players. But I would absolutely take Daniel Tice over Al Horford. Yeah, and the two things you can look at and say they needed Horford for this was going against Giannis, going against Embiid. He he had a pretty good handle on those two guys, especially Embiid, who could just never seem to figure him out. But now that I look at Philly as relatively out of the picture right now, barring a turnaround from them, and I look at Milwaukee and Giannis as unstoppable even by Horford. Like, Horford had a great game in game one last year. The next four were clearly in Giannis's favor. So we're talking about four years at 100-plus million for Horford. I love him. Don't want to kick him out the door. Don't want to even say that Tice is better. But it seems like they got better value there at $5 million a year, which is what Tice is making. And it's funny. Jeff Clark over at Celtics blog wrote this before tonight, but he compared Tice to one Kendrick Perkins, saying you'd never mistake Tice for Perk physically. He doesn't have as much of a scowl either. In fact, aside from playing the same position, there doesn't seem to be too much that's similar about them. Still, when you compare to their roles and their impact on the team, maybe you can start to see where I'm going with this. During the heyday of Pierce, KG, Ray, Rondo, there were a lot of guys who needed the ball to be effective. So while Rajon did his best to dish it out equally, it must have been nice to have Perkins setting picks, looking mean, and largely getting out of the way when the shot went up. And that is what Tice is doing here. I mean, he's picking, rolling, popping sometimes, grabbing rebounds, and it's what we've talked about all year long. This is a guy who knows his role, who does it to the best of his ability, and when you have three, four guys who are scoring at a high level on this team, he doesn't need shots, he doesn't need looks, he doesn't even need the ball in his hands, and he's still going to find a way to be effective, and that's what's changed everything for this team this year. <laughs> and that's where everyone else uh, talks. Yeah, we're all yeah, in agreement on that. that. I was kind of thinking. I was thinking. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, when you take a look at it, he's really just there to clean up everybody's mess. Like everyone says, that's what Cantor does. But tonight, that was Tice. He's just in the paint. Like I remember one possession specifically at the end of the game where he wasn't even close to getting the rebound, and then he flew in from like the free throw line, nabbed it, and put it back up for a couple foul shots he got out of it. I think that's just the perfect um, center we need on this team. Like Hayward, Tatum, Brown, um, and Walker need the ball in their hands to be effective, like you're saying, with the Pierce era. And to be able to have a guy like Tice just bang down low and play defense there and get offensive rebounds there, even though that's not a strong suit, um, it's just great to have him. I would even equate him to Baines last year for us. Just like he's not as much of an enforcer as Baines, but Tice isn't afraid of anything. Like he'll jump with anybody. He'll – He'll get some unlucky foul calls like we saw tonight, but he's just up there doing everything he can to play good defense and get rebounds at all times. 
he was incredible probably more, in this probably point. More athletic Even at, than Baines too. Probably more athletic than Baines too. I think the only thing in the comparison with uh, Kendrick yeah. Perkins and the comparison to Baines is really a comparison. Like the, like the when you when you when you hear it first off, you're kind of like oh, I don't know. And the only reason you'd say that you know that you wouldn't compare those players is because. Daniel Tice is more athletic, number one, but mainly because Daniel Tice isn't the big, you know, thick, you know, kind of, you know, monster enforcer type player. But he does all of those, you know, those intangible things. He does all those, you know, he, he gets in there to grab the rebounds. He fights for the rebounds. I think he's a, he's an excellent help side defender. I mean, he's a, I think he's an excellent defender in general, but I think he does a fantastic job on the help side coming and blocking shots from behind, you know, getting those those blocks if if one of his uh one of the, his his fellow teammates gets beat on on defense, he's there to, you know, to to like like Jack just said, you know, clean up the mess, not just on offense but on defense. And where he's different than Cantor is uh, definitely that athletic factor. Cantor, I mean, just doesn't get above the rim. He's big enough to. He has the size. He, and I mean, anybody that you know after Cantor was signed by the Celtics and watched his off-season workout videos and saw him, you know, doing his little workouts with the medicine balls and running with the uh, with the uh, tension uh, rubber bands and all those other things, trying to get his, you know, the guy just doesn't get up. He grabs rebounds. He grabs offensive rebounds many times off of his own misses <laughs> down in the paint and then puts it back up. But Tice, when he gets those rebounds, when he gets those missed shots, he goes back up and he's dunking that ball. And he doesn't think twice. He doesn't, you know, waste his time thinking about it. He gets the ball and he goes right up with it. And, uh, you know, that that's – he's just – I think, you know, it's, it's it really is a blessing. I think the only the only negative thing I can think about Daniel Tice when it comes to uh, the Boston Celtics franchise is that he gave well, – I don't know if it's Brad Stevens or Danny Ainge or both. It gave them both the kind of idea that they were going to go hunting for, you know, diamonds in the rough in Europe, and they ended up with uh, – uh, Vinny Sexpants, and I'm not a big fan of Vinny Sexpants. <laughs> Vinny Sexpants. He pretty awful. I mean, you got tonight. Daniel, you got Daniel Tice. You're not gonna hit. You're not. You're probably not gonna strike. You know, oil twice, strike gold twice. But you know, uh, Daniel Tice, a fantastic guy. Just you know, excellent game. And it's crazy that we're talking about Daniel Tice. He had 25 points when you had uh, Jason Tatum. I think with what 28, Gordon Hayward with 29. Uh, you know. Four players and 20 points, and Daniel Tice is really the, the focal point, I think, of the show tonight, and I think he deserves it. I think he's been About underrated time, for right? most of the season. Yeah, and here here's the other thing. He, he's been enough, but we do look at the center rotation, and there's some reason to be doubtful about the depth here. Uh, Cantor, again, in this one, healthy, Brad Stevens said after the game, but he comes in and goes 0-4. Grabs some rebounds, but it largely can't play in this game with all the movement that Minnesota's throwing at them. Uh, Wancho Hernan Gomez was really awesome in this one. I thought Malik Beasley was, too. So I look at the center rotation and still think that could be a point of concern if Tice is in foul trouble like he was in this one. Um, Jack, I'm sure you remember late in the second quarter, Vincent actually came in and just got instantly thrown into rotation, was running out to the corner while the defense had a collapse. This guy, Nas Reed from Minnesota, had a real good game facing up at the big man position and making it hard on a guy like Poirier. Um, <laughs> so that didn't work too well for Stevens late in the second. Let the Timberwolves get back within eight. And what's amazing, Jack, to me is Minnesota was down 10 twice in the second half after that. They got within one yeah. 
three times in the fourth quarter, but they never actually took the lead. So the Celtics responded well to each one of those runs that Minnesota threw at them. Yeah, I agree. And I think on top of the Celtics responding really well, I think Ryan Saunders fell into a coaching trap where he really just wanted to run it through his star and D'Angelo Russell. And he really should not have because they have this guy, Jordan McLaughlin, off the bench who was having a solid game. He was hitting all the shots. Uh, Like you said, Heron Gomez was having a solid game. He didn't even play down the stretch. Um, Beasley was having a great game. Reed was having a great game. And he was just like, nope, we're going to run through D'Angelo. This is our star. This is what we have to do. And like you said, if they had run through almost anybody else in that roster, this could have been a different game. But Saunders was just so intent on saying, Russell's my star. Like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And honestly, most nights he probably would. Like, D'Angelo Russell is a great basketball player, and he was having a great season with the Warriors. And I, I don't know. I think they should have run it through someone else tonight, and it would have been a different ball game. He was that guy. They did well at the trade deadline. They got him and Hernan Gomez for almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, they picked up some dead salary in Evan Turner, but they definitely made themselves a better team over that period. And still, they can say Carl Anthony Towns hasn't won a game since, what, November with the injuries and the losing streak <laughs> that they were on. I mean, it's unbelievable. This guy... I mean, he's he's going to be the next guy Celtics fans are clamoring to trade for. And this guy's on the bench laughing as James Johnson's double dribbling when they get within six. I'm just like, what is going on here? <laughs> I mean, he's an awful defender. I, I definitely think there's some maturity issues there. And he was pressing so hard for them to get Russell just because he's his buddy. Like, you know, Scal, I'm not the biggest fan of Scal, but <laughs> he was like, you go into the NBA draft and what, what do you say? You measure people's height, you measure their wingspans, and you check who they're friends with. Like, I, that seems to be one of the biggest reasons that Minnesota was so hung up on trading for him for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And bless them, they held on to their pick this year. They got rid of Andrew Wiggins, which I don't think is that big of a loss. So they got Russell for fairly cheap. But you do wonder just how crucial he'll be to this turnaround it looks like he's going to need a lot more help than just cat returning because this team is still the second worst in the west by all measures even with the additions they've made agree minnesota with you, loves wasting big man talent oh yeah yeah <laughs> well minnesota minnesota is, likes wasting this yeah. talent in general i think that you know minnesota hasn't really been uh, <laughs> worth the, oh the discussion Lord. for 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 quite some time. But Bobby, I have a question for you. Uh did you bet on the game tonight? I did not, but uh let me look at what the line was and I'll instantly regret it. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you find the line? Well, I know uh football season. I know over. where you can find the line. Yeah, I I know where we can too. And the footballs might be packed away, but basketball, hockey, golf, and yes, you can even bet on the presidential uh, elections. As you can find all the odds with our exclusive sportsbook partner, betonline.ag. They have been in the industry for over 20 years, providing customers with the first to market odds and giving you the ability to bet anytime, anywhere. Just like you, Bobby, you could have bet anytime, anywhere, but you chose not to. You could have made some money on the Celtics tonight. And They're to always that, a good you would pick. have had to head over to betonline.ag and use our special promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and have a little fun with some betting action today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. 
Remember to type in CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. So whatever you bet, they will match it 50%. So if you bet $100, they'll give you $50 on your first bet. You bet $10, they'll give you $5 on your first bet. Or if you're like me, you bet a dollar, you'll get $0.50 to match 50% on your uh, first (laughs) bet welcome bonus. Um, We do have some callers on the line also, Bobby, so if there's anything else we'd like to get to before we get to those callers, I, want to get to I, I mean, we've we've heard from Jack on the show already. It's a second Jack, so it's going to get a little confusing. We of course have Jack Michael on the show. This is Jack Simon or Simone. It Did looks we lose like Jack? Yeah, I think it's Jack Simone, but he's going to be joining us here as a new host on this show. Um, He has his own podcast as well that I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about um, whenever we get him back here. Now the Celtics won 127-117. It's amazing they scored 127 with basically no help from the bench in this one. That just showed how amazing those starting four and uh, Marcus Smart as well were for this team tonight. Uh, Double figures from every starter. Yeah, it was bad, and they could only really get anything from Wanamaker. Um, everybody else was just struggling to find their shot mentally, including Langford, who did uh, almost get a three-point foul shot to go down, but uh, he just hit two of those free throws. So there you have it. Uh, Jared Weiss wrote over the All-Star break. One of the five keys for the second half is finding four 20-point scorers, and you thought it would have been Kemba among that four, but here's Daniel Hay with 20 points himself tonight, so it works anyway. Um, let's our old friend Jared Weiss. I remember when Jared Weiss used to do these shows with us on CLNS. Yeah. And then he used to call in afterwards. Then he got a big – I think he wrote for USA Today for a little while. Who's he, who's he writing for now, Jack uh, uh, Jared Weiss? He's with The Athletic. The Athletic. It's good to see uh, one of the CLNS alum doing big things. Hopefully that'll be me one day. Or yeah. you, Bobby. Jared was one of the um, you know pioneers with CLNS. He was one of the early guys in the locker room um, doing those yep. videos with Rajon Rondo and KG. Like you can go back to like 2008 and see Jared in there with his baby face, and now he's uh, grown up quite a bit since. <laughs> so yeah, definitely shout out to Jared. He had an awesome piece about the five keys to the Celtics second half. One of those keys was finding four 20-point guys, and they did that. So uh, check one off the box. Three four seven two one five seven 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 one is your number. Um, we have some callers on the board, and we will start with John. Nice to me, John. Appreciate hearing from you. If this is your first time, if not, my mistake. Um, welcome to the show. Hi, hi. how are y'all? What's we up, are John? fantastic. Good to be back. Yeah, it's good. It was good to have basketball back. Yeah, I just. I I think not just the game tonight, but I think like the whole season has been like if this has been my takeaway. It's like if a guy was out last year, I don't know if you would have seen someone step up. But with Kemba out tonight, you see guys like obviously like Jalen, Jason, Gordon, and uh, Daniel. Daniel was the one that said that because I think you know we're gonna get from Gordon and. Uh, Jalen and Jason, and then Daniel stepping up. I don't think you would have seen that last year, personally. I mean, that's been the story. We're talking now, like, back to New Year's Day. 
uh, Nick, I can only remember like maybe one or two games that the Celtics have had like all their core six together. Yeah. I mean, Cantor stepped out of the lineup. Kemba's been out with knee soreness left and right. Uh, Tatum had a little nagging injury there for a little bit, and uh, Browns had about three since New Year's. So there's only been I probably count on one hand the amount of games that the Celtics have been fully healthy in the second half, and they are winning at a prolific pace. And it's in large part, I have to say, due to Marcus Smart. Because think, yeah. guys, he can be the point guard, but he can play the wings when uh, those rotation wings are out. I mean, he can do everything for this team. He can even play a little bit of big man when the bigs are struggling mm-hmm. down there. So they got to keep this guy for so cheap because no one wanted him in free agency. And that's the reason the Celtics, I'd say, not from a bench perspective, but in their top like six to eight, have to be one of the deepest teams in the NBA when it comes to uh, guys just being able to step in at those top spots, whether it be Ennis Cantor at center or Marcus Smart or any one of those positions. They're not deep from like one to 15, but one to eight, like they are just immensely versatile and can withstand uh, one loss on any given night, which is good because honestly, a night like tonight's probably just a nice rest night for Kemba Walker. Uh, You get the win. And uh, you're not hurt anymore, and you probably gain from it by getting uh, Walker to play a few less minutes during the year. And we're, and we're still waiting yeah. on Rob Williams, which looks like he's getting closer. Thank yeah, you. So I was just about to talk about Rob Williams. <laughs> Rob Williams we want, is the time lord. Do we, do we want to do a quick segment on Rob Williams? Uh, he is with the Celtics on the West Coast. Uh, thanks for kicking us off with that, John. Um, <laughs> he's with the Celtics. He's going to play – Next Saturday, TD Garden. I believe that's against the Rockets. Um, is that supposed to be his return? But he's with the Celtics on the West Coast, practicing fully, uh, participating in everything. And Jalen Brown said he was a beast in practice in his first game, first one back. Uh, Nick, how excited are you? He's itching to get back. And the thing, one of the quotes that I read was something about, you know, he's. He's he's anxious to get back, and he said something about he just, he wants to just windmill everything, but he has to kind of take it easy to make sure that he stays healthy. So if we're getting you know windmill Lob Williams is just dunking on everybody, uh, he he improved dramatically in my opinion from his rookie season to this year, what we've seen of him so far this year, and I think that if he's been able to you know work on his game, practice, do what do what he's been able to do, even though he's had that. Um, that that bone edema, I think it was a hip edema or a thigh edema, something like that, basically a bone bruise. Uh, If he's been able to do anything in terms of um, practice, uh, you know, and and getting his game better, working on any part of his game that's, you know, more than just Duncan, I mean, this guy may just be that piece. You know, you're not going to get – the Celtics didn't get that, you know, that one big man that every – not everybody, but that so many – Celtics fans were clamoring for, and thank God they didn't do something r- ridiculous like trade uh, Garden Hayward for um, uh, Andre Drummond. I mean, how trash would that have been when you have, you know, three guys that can do three different things? They all bring three different skill sets. You have Daniel Tice, who's probably the best combination of the other two. Then you have Ennis Cantor, who's strictly a low post presence, rebounding, you know, big man. And then you have Lob Williams, who's the above the rim, you know, lob catcher, like I said, Lob Williams, the lob catching uh, big guy who can also block shots. I think he's probably one of the better block uh, shot blockers out of the big men on the team. Ennis Cantor, or as um, who was who was it that called him? Oh, oh Kevin McHale. 
called him Enos Cantor. <laughs> Enos Cantor. <laughs> Probably better than Enos Cantor on the shop yeah, block. Can- definitely better than Enos Cantor. But, you know, I'm definitely looking forward, and I think if – the Celtics are one of those teams where everybody has a unique talent. You may have some overlap. Like, there's over, there's definite overlap between the three major wings, between uh, Garden Hayward and, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And there's definitely overlap between Daniel Tyson, Enos Cantor, and Lob Williams. But they all bring some a little bit of a different dynamic. They all have their own little, like, specialty. And Lob Williams has something that no other Celtic player really has, and that's just incredible length uh, combined with incredible athletic. Athleticism uh, and you know defensive, you know just instinct when it comes to uh, shot blocking. That I think he could be that that extra little piece to put the Celtics, you know, over the edge. He hasn't really been healthy for some of those big matchups against the uh, one or two teams that actually have you know big men that you know require somebody like you know maybe a Rob Williams to throw at them. But I think once this team, like you mentioned, Bobby, uh, gets fully healthy and you have everybody there. Uh, including Rob Williams, I don't. I don't think we should exclude Rob Williams from the, uh, the 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 core assets on this team. Once you have this team fully healthy, uh, they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with because they already are a force to be reckoned with. And uh, what John in South Carolina just said, you're getting players. It doesn't matter who's out. Jalen Brown goes out, somebody else steps in. Kemba Walker goes out, somebody else steps in. I mean, you've even had games where Brad Wanamaker has stepped in and been been that kind of like that energy guy. I thought he was really good tonight. Absolutely. Yeah, he had that nice little, he got stuck in the post and he dished it out to Brown for three, six points, uh, which is more than anybody else on the bench was giving. I'm I'm thrilled about Williams returning because he's just so fun to watch. Like that's, that's number one among the reasons, Nick. That guy is flying above the rim on lobs. That's where he gets the Lob Williams name from. Uh, Credit to Danny Ainge on that one. You like that better than Time Lord, huh? I think Lob Williams sticks, and Time Lord. I like the Time Lord name only because I got to host one of the few shows that uh, the Riffs Man did with us here at Sealand as media. I actually got to to host with Riffs Man, and Riffs Man. uh, I'll I'll credit due to Riffs Man. He coined that phrase on Weird Celtics Twitter. I think that's what it's called. I don't do Twitter as much, uh, but Weird Celtics Twitter. He coined the phrase uh, Time Lord, and I think uh, Scal, who is known to uh, lurk. Uh, quite a bit on multiple social media platforms. I even think that he is lurking in the uh, Bleed Green forum on on Facebook sometimes because, boy, it doesn't take much. Things that are said, I think he probably even listens to this show once in a while. I wouldn't be surprised because things that are said here, things that are written about on those forums, things that are said on Weird Celtics Twitter from people that you would never think, you know, would be contributing. And Scal brings those things up. He really does his homework when it comes to, you know, social media stuff. And that's one of the things I know you said you're not the biggest fan of Scal, but Scal really does a good job of bringing some of the social media kind of like banter nicknames the you know the witty humor of you know weird celtics twitter of weird weird celtics social media and brings it to you know the NBC sports uh, uh boston broadcast um for the for the boston celtics so yeah all shouts to uh, to to Ristner with time lord but i think lob williams is probably going to stick for a little while longer because as we move further away from uh the time lord just missing his uh, his rookie introductions and missing <laughs> waking up late for for meetings, and we get into the actual Lob Williams era. I think the Time Lord name is probably gonna gonna fade, and Lob Williams or some other nickname, or maybe not. Who knows? But I'm happy to have him back. I'm excited. I'm, I, I've been eager to see him play all season. 
I wonder if Jack's still, still there. Jack? You there, Jack? Damn, I wonder what happened to Jack. I would have liked to hear what he thought about Rob Williams. Oh, well. John in South Carolina, you still with me? Bobby Manning? Is there anybody out there? Well, it looks like everybody has dropped on the switchboard. Going to refresh just in case. And then maybe we'll just finish out the show. we got six minutes left, so if there's anybody else out there that would like to get on the line. Okay, I see 978210. That looks like the boss, Bobby Manning. Bobby, is that you? Yeah, I'm back. I don't yes, know what uh, the, the this, this whole thing just went buck wild and dropped everybody that was on the call. <laughs> I'm sitting here talking to dead air like, yeah, I wonder what Jack Simone thinks about Lob Williams. Jack, <laughs> I see you're back on the line. Jack, what do you think about Lob back. Williams? you excited about having Lob Williams come back to the uh, Boston oh, Celtics lineup? I'm so lineup? excited. I- I'm so excited. I don't know what happened there. I guess I don't know if it was my mic or website or something, but I'm super excited to have him back. Um, you guys mentioned the Time Lord Nick. My biggest wonder is, do you think uh, Rob Williams himself appreciates the Time Lord nickname? Like, it's kind of a jab at him. I wonder if he, like, finds it offensive at this point. I mean, I, I know it's all in good fun. Like, Boston loves him, and it's just a joke, but I wonder if no. he likes the nickname. But, no, like you guys were saying, uh, <laughs> Cantor, Tyson, Rob Williams is going to be a solid rotation of big men, like, um, Tice is, I think, um, Nick, you mentioned this, is the perfect mix of both of them, like defense and offense, while Cantor brings more uh, versatility on offense and Rob Williams brings more versatility on defense, I would say, because he's so athletic. And I feel like he's quicker than Cantor, like he's light on his feet because he's just so yes. athletic and that he can get up and bang with the uh, bang with the big guys down low. Like, uh, I'm not saying he could stay with Giannis, but I feel like out of all of our big men, he might have the best chance unless we throw Semi in there for his strength, but uh, I think having Rob Williams is going to be just a great asset for the bench that's obviously, like we saw tonight, has been struggling lately. Yeah, and then I think that expands out that eight-man rotation and to make it a deeper roster, as Bobby was talking about earlier, having, you know, the one through eight is really good, but then, you know, the one through, you know, ten or one through twelve, Rob Williams has that extra guy that just makes the, the, the roster even deeper. 100%. And uh, he had some really good games early in the season. Uh, He was awesome against uh, the Spurs on the road when they won by 20. He was a big reason that they got that surprising blowout win. Opening night, he was like a plus seven against Philly, and he's missed the three Philly games since, as you talked about, Nick. He's missed some of those bigger matchups against the better teams in the East. So it'll be interesting to see how he matches up with those second units because this guy was about like a – Oh, I, my computer died in front of me, so I don't have the exact number. But I was keeping track of his plus-minus throughout the year, and I know he's going against second units and stuff like that. But, um, oh, here we go. I will look at his plus-minus, and I think it was something like plus-20 early in the season, um, cumulatively on basketball reference there. So his minutes were really productive, and um, he matched up well with opposing bigs, great energy, Uh, He was in position more like his rookie year. They were kind of running like that taco pseudo zone with him where he wouldn't even step out of the paint. But uh, now he's able to switch on to some guys on the perimeter and really give them even more explosiveness than what Tice has given them, uh, Nick. Like you see Tice coming behind tonight to block guys from behind, and he's a great rim protector. Williams is even better. Now you worry about durability. 
Uh, Steven said he's probably only going to play like 10 to 20 minutes for the first couple of weeks after he returns. So that's the biggest concern with him because everything else is there. Um, I'm really invested in this guy becoming a great player long-term. I really want to see him be successful and be the center of this team one day, which is what I think the Celtics project of him over the long term. It's just every other week there's some sort of issue. This was a bigger long-term one. We haven't seen him since December 6th. But um, even last year, there was a lot of weird, nagging injuries. We heard about the blood flow issues in his legs out of the draft. He obviously fell the 27th, which was very surprising. When guys fall like that, there's always a reason why. It never happens by accident, and we're seeing why with him so far from a health perspective. So all he can really do is just help, hope that the Celtics handle his health well. And overall this year, they haven't stayed healthy as a team. So fingers crossed on that one. Well, would it be the worst thing to happen if Lob Williams somehow, I mean, I, I don't want it to happen. I want to see him play. I want to see him be great right now. But would it be the worst thing to happen if he doesn't, you know, start coming on until maybe, you know what I'm saying, his fourth year and the Celtics would be able to keep him for cheap, you know what I'm saying, moving yeah. forward? Don't uh, have the, to you do know, that. He's, just maintaining him, just make sure that, you know, his issues are corrected, whatever happens, and the Boston Celtics can actually hold on to a kid like this who clearly has shown flashes of greatness. And there's a couple of things I wanted to address. Um, first, uh, Jack, I believe I read an interview with Lob Williams last season in which he sa- he specifically said he wasn't particularly fond of the Time Lord <laughs> name. So, that, so, so I mean, and, and, this, and, and I agree with what Jack said, that it is kind of like a – sarcastic, you know, jab at, you know, his, his being late for those things. But I think it was a lighthearted jab, kind of more of a, you know, so what if he was late to a couple of things? You know, it's about how he plays on the court as, as much as, you know, how oh, this guy's late, he's, he's a, you know, piece of ish, you know what I'm saying? It's not really it's not really an insult to him. And um, I had another point, but I forgot what it was. So, yeah. There, there well, we go. I know I... I know Timex uh, tweeted uh, about a watch sponsorship with him on the Time Lord name. I don't know if that actually ever came through, but uh, if that does for him with uh, Timex, then you know he'll make a little was bit of Timex money. Was it Timex or was it too. Tissot? I thought it was one of their Tissot, whatever, however you pronounce it. It was one of those watch companies. He I think it was he should have jumped on yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they actually included um, the Riftman in that tweet too, so maybe Riftman will get a little bit of money out of that too. Yeah, right. There you go. Well, you got to give the uh, the I don't know what the intellectual the IP laws are for for tweets, but you know, <laughs> Riffman deserves his credit because oh, yeah, people have used the people have used the hell out of that nickname. And you've heard when I tell them where it actually came from, they don't know who Riffman is. So that I, I know that, that if you were to ask Scal, Scal wouldn't deny it because you know Scal isn't a guy isn't isn't somebody like that. He would probably tell you, oh yeah, I got it from this guy on Weird Celtics Twitter, Twitter, but. You know, he just doesn't, he doesn't get his credit for it. And that's one of those things about being viral. Sometimes, you know, you coin a phrase or you coin something and it just makes its way into the, you know, the, the national conscience, or in this case, the conscience of uh, Celtics Nation, and it just kind of sticks. But I, if I were Time Lord, I wouldn't be mad about it. I would have taken that Timex uh, uh, sponsorship and ran with it. Yeah, so we're feeling pretty good about this team. Um, Sunday's the Lakers. Uh, the last time we saw these two teams face, the Celtics just blew them off the court. Uh, I don't think LeBron played very strongly late into that game, and Anthony Davis barely checked in the play. He was pretty banged up going into that one. 
So it wasn't a good combination of things for the Lakers beyond them being on a long uh, East Coast swing. Now the Celtics are starting a long West Coast swing. They're in L.A. Sunday, Portland on Tuesday, and Utah on Wednesday. So big miles and a short span of time. That's three games in four days next week. Uh, How are you expecting this Lakers game to go, guys? Jack, I'll start with you. Um, Lakers have been awesome all year, but when we saw them, of course, it was just such an empty performance that it was hard to gauge how these two teams match up. I will say, though, the Celtics' wings, the way they're able to spread the floor out and all that kind of thing, doesn't play well for the Lakers, who like to keep a big man on the floor, play AD at the the four with McGee and Dwight, and just how big they are doesn't play well against the Celtics, I'd say. All right. Looks like we uh, lost Jack again. Nick, are you there? Of course. I'm always here. (laughs) (laughs) You are. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, but you know what? First of all, I would have liked to have had JaVale McGee. I I think there were rumors, like maybe two, three, you know, whatever years. There's there's been rumors. He's a nice little piece. Yeah, there there've been rumors about the Celtics possibly pursuing him. I think he he was he's a nice he's basically like a like a Lob Williams type of guy. I mean, minus the, you know, the shacking a fool, you know, he's he's one of those kind of just like athletic extreme length has that great wingspan, uh, can jump out of the building. Um I I think that Lob Williams actually probably has potential to be a better overall player than uh than uh, JaVale McGee. Oh, that's what I was uh, going to bring up. You mentioned uh Lob Williams not having to necessarily um play that kind of mini or or quasi zone um and being able to actually rotate and get out on the perimeter. Um I think Lob Williams has shown flashes on the perimeter being able to stay on his the 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 offensive player's hip and actually has blocked quite a few uh perimeter shots whether there are three-point shots or long mid-range shots he's actually been able to stay with uh smaller quicker players and block their shots as they take those shots um from the perimeter so um yeah as much as i you know and, and like i said there have been rumors in previous seasons about the celtics possibly looking at javelle mcgee i think he's a nice player a nice piece to have for for those reasons his athleticism and his length but uh i i think the celtics have their own player of that type in lob williams he won't be playing on sunday but you could look at it one of two ways and i'm and i'm a big a proponent of the Celtics forcing other teams to play their style of ball instead of Brad Stevens trying to match up with other teams and beat teams at their own game. I think we saw uh, when the Boston Celtics blew the Lakers out by how many points was it? 32 points, 36 points, something yeah, in the 30s. Yeah, that degree. That that you know the 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 Lakers they had you know Anthony Davis and I don't know Anthony Davis didn't really have a good game that game and I don't think uh, LeBron James really had a good game either I know that it was yeah. not you know kind of checked out yeah and and if the Celtics can do the same thing play their small ball basketball and I mean small ball is what they do Daniel Tice is a center he's a small ball center but I think they just have the speed advantage at most of those positions and I mean I don't know what happened to Avery Bradley I remember the uh 
the 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 bulldog days when they used to call them the the pit bulls in the in the in the backcourt with Courtney Lee and uh, Avery Bradley. And I don't know what happened to Avery Bradley. I I imagine he's still you know a solid perimeter defender, but I mean he he didn't do very much to slow down the Boston Celtics. I just think the Celtics have more speed at most of those positions, and LeBron James still may be one of the best players in the league. Just like to me, Tom Brady is still one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, but you can still see the decline. And that that's, that says a lot about LeBron James that even in his post prime phase, even in his dec- in his declining phase he's still one of the best players in the league but i mean if i had to to take a take a player on my roster right now would i take lebron james or would i take jason tatum i mean i would i would obviously take jason tatum because i think you have so many more years of jason tatum to go as opposed to lebron james who'll probably stick around for another five years in the league but i I mean he's he's only going to give you this level of play for another two or three Here's the thing. LeBron used to be an automatic ticket to the finals. Last year, he wasn't even an automatic ticket to the playoffs for the Lakers. Nope. Uh, so that was just a jarring difference that we saw his first year there. And this year, there's still not a lot of support for him. He's still playing huge minutes. They've had more support than I expected, especially from Dwight having a pretty good year, Caruso and the others there, and Kuzma as well, who, of course, was floated in every trade rumor before the deadline, which I'm sure he loved. <laughs> Um, the usual LeBron experience. So things are still a little on edge there to where I say I don't believe in them as the finals team. Uh, We talked about before the break uh, the Celtics against high-level competition. We pointed out that the Lakers have really only had one great win against one of the best teams in the league. Then that includes the Celtics, who they couldn't even compete with in Boston. So I'm a little low on the Lakers. I love Davis, but again, tonight, breaking news as of 20 minutes ago, bruised his calf so we'll see what that has uh an impact on ahead of sunday because this guy is always hurt i mean even in new orleans he was always dealing with knee pains and everything else in his lower body so that was the downside to them uh acquiring him as well as the fact that they don't have picks they don't have assets now they sent them all to new orleans to get better around them so guess who's going to be their buyout addition None other than Mark Keith Morris, the worst of the two Morris brothers, because the better <laughs> went to the Clippers, who I think are just yep. a far and, far and away better team. Uh, the Celtics were able to grind out a win against them uh, before the All-Star break. I think you hosted that night, Nick. So we've seen yep. the Celtics overcome the better of these two teams as well. And um, I think that's going to bode well for them Sunday. Uh, Kemba seems like he should be ready for, to go for that game too, uh, which bodes well. And um, before I get out of here, stat of the night. This is from Stats by Stats on Twitter. The Celtics were the first team since the Cincinnati Royals in 1970 to have four players with 25 points and five rebounds in a game. So that just shows their height, their versatility, and uh, the amount of scoring that they have, one to five on this team. Um, It's pretty impressive what they have. Uh, Nick, we'll t- we'll chat again soon. I'm sure we'll do a game together soon. But uh, it's so interesting the way the Celtics' strength and weaknesses. I think Jared, like I said, if you can check out that piece, did a pretty good job highlighting the possible concerns for the Celtics. But tonight did just such a great job of showing why the Celtics might be the most difficult team to match up with in the NBA because they lose a guy, they have Smart who can fill right in. And when they're healthy with Brown, Tatum, and Hayward all available, those are three tall, long guys who can all get their shot, who can combine for 60, 70 points on any given night. 
and then still get a all-star level performance from their center or their point guard. Uh, they can defend across the board. Their versatility and their depth, one to eight, like I talk about, is really hard to match if you look across the league. I think only the Clippers and Rockets have quite that level of firepower from one to eight. So um, that's something that's really um, great for this team. The Bucks as well, I'd throw in there. The Bucks are very, very deep. So uh, we're talking about the Celtics is one of the four deepest teams in the league, I'd say, in terms of scoring. And tonight showed how um, versatile, how deep, and how explosive they can be. I thought this was a real quality win, even against a 16-37 and 37 team. And Sunday, we're in for a good one. That's 3.30. Any closing thoughts, Nick, before we get out of here? Yeah, just one thing quickly. Before the All-Star break, going into the All-Star break, the Celtics uh, in their previous or in their, in their 13 games before the All-Star break were averaging 27 points per game from Jason Tatum, 21 points per game from Jalen Brown, 20 points per game from Kemba Walker, 19 points per game from Garden Hayward, and 13 points per game from Marcus Smart. And I reposted that, that graphic. I don't know who it came from. It came from... I think Hoops, it was a TV ben, network or something. Yeah, yeah, it was some some random you know fan page, basketball page, whatever. It looks like an Instagram graphic, but it had those stats out there. And I reposted that to one of the larger, uh, just general basketball. I think it was Clutch Points um, basketball talk on the Facebook group, and it got about a thousand likes. And I, in the in the caption that I put to it was uh, best lineup in the league. And I don't think you can argue that. I mean, and then you have Daniel Tice. I mean, and Daniel Tice isn't going to score, you know, 25 points every game. I mean, there's a reason it was a career high. But Daniel Tice will give you a good, you know, 10 to 15 points on any given night and will give you, you know, a good 8 to 10 rebounds on any given night. So when you throw him in there, I mean, when you have when you have a, 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 your top five players on your team, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, I mean, and all of them are averaging, you know, 13 points or more, and three of them are averaging 20, and Gordon Hayward is just one point off of 20. I mean, that's just insane. They may not be the deepest team in terms of depth from 1 through 12. I think Lob Williams will help with that in, in, a little bit. But in terms of their their top eight, their top, you know, six players, their top seven players, I mean, oh, my God, they just have so much talent, and they're versatile. Uh, Marcus Smart, he calls himself a stretch six because he's a sixth man, but he can play pretty much almost any position. I mean, you really wouldn't want him playing offense on, uh, you know, center on offense, and you <laughs> wouldn't really want to see him playing center, you know, for an entire game or playing the five for an entire game. But, I mean, he can defend in spurts. A lot of big men in the league are, you know, again, big guys like Joel Embiid, big guys like maybe a Carl Anthony Towns. And I think he would probably even guard Carl Anthony Towns because he's so weak mentally that he would probably just get under his skin and get him out of his game. I mean, Marcus Smart is just another one of those pieces. And they're also versatile, and they're interchangeable in many ways. They have different, like I said, each one brings something different to the game. But they're so, they're so long, they're so big, uh, they're so versatile, and there's a lot of overlap that if one of them goes out, another one can step into that position, and they each bring something unique that uh, the other one doesn't have that makes the Celtics just really a complete team. And I've been saying that all season. This Celtics team is absolutely a complete team. We're talking about 27 games left until the playoffs, and it's a tough road ahead. we got the Rockets, Lakers, Jazz, Blazers. Uh, these are some tough teams coming up. That the Celtics, 
absolutely seem on par as, if not uh, monstrous matchups in their own right for those teams. Like, you look at Utah and even the Lakers on Sunday, like, these teams probably look at the Celtics and say, oh, crap, we have a big one coming up. And uh, it's pretty good to be the team in that position that's probably making other teams a little bit weary the way they're playing. Uh, They are winning game after game, uh, not thrown off by any of these injuries that they're dealing with. And they're only going to get better as they add Kemba and Rob Williams to the rotation, as we talked about here. You hope health hangs holds up, but uh, the Celtics' ability to play through injuries just really speaks well for the playoffs. Because, you know, going back to 2009, we've pretty much had a major injury in the playoffs every single year since. Uh, so you have to be prepared for that. You have to be able to withstand that. And these Celtics are doing a good job doing it. And they've been extremely fun to watch. They've been poised late in these games, and this was a real good one here. Good to be back, Nick Sassento. 127-117 is your final here. Be sure to check out betonline.ag. Thanks to Jack Simone, who was with us, that had some technical difficulties, as well as John for calling in. You can call in every show at 347-215-7771. And you can listen to these shows on demand. We have a West Coast swing coming up, so Tuesday – Wednesday, those are going to be 10 o'clock games. These shows are going to start after midnight on those days. So if you can't stay up that late, if you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. or something like that, you can always catch these shows on demand the next day at um, all the streams, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. They're all available at linktr.ee slash realbobmanning. That's linktree with a dot between the R and E, link tr.ee slash real bob manning all the streams are available there and uh, for clns media i'm bobby manning and we will talk to you on sunday at six o'clock eastern after celtics lakers catch you then this has been the celtics post game show on clnsradio.com thanks for listening the Celtics might not be in action every day, but we are, so stay connected. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Radio and check out our broadcast schedule for the best weekly sports podcasts on the web. family 
cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.